Hey okay. Ben, you got a job? Uh, no, currently I don't. I'm. I. That's the big news. I've moved to Hawaii and I am freelance. Although I have done uh, 20 hours of billable work in the last two weeks, while also being a stay-at-home dad. So that's uh, that's been interesting. Welcome uh, to unemployment with me. Uh, not quite unemployment. I I like to think of myself as a self-employed uh, because <laughs> because as I said, I'm I'm still earning money. Um, hey, how are you going? Have you made any money this? <laughs> no. Here's the thing. I left the country for two months and now I came back. Um, so, yep, still just. Um, Still uh, trucking on, making making my own stuff though, which I think we will. Um, we've got a good did. person to interview about that today. He's done a lot of his own projects before he sort of blew up a little bit, which is awesome. So yeah, uh, David Vincent Smith. Um, he's a, a writer, director, filmmaker uh, in in the Perth area, and uh, and he has a lot of interesting stuff. So. Take it away. Uh, yeah. All right. Today we have with us David Vincent Smith. Uh, Hello. A, welcome to the podcast. Tell us about yourself. Um, ask me anything and everything and what do you want to know? <laughs> How did you get started in filmmaking? Um, <clears throat> well, I was one of those people who wanted to be a filmmaker growing up. I actually wanted to be a um, a storyteller, a writer. You know, I read a lot of books. I was more interested in prose. Um, and then I um, went to university and studied a bunch of things that I didn't really care about, to be totally honest with you, um, that weren't arts-related. And then I just failed and dropped out because I was more interested in trying to write pros and at this, at, while that was happening I was watching a lot of movies um and I guess in a sense I was sort of subconsciously training in the art of storytelling um and then I saw an advertisement literally for film school and I went and enrolled um and I was had a pretty bad attitude at the start as well um and then I kind of my brain sort of shifted when I made my first little tiny crappy short film and I was like whoa this is like storytelling but like a visual version do you know what I mean like it sort of clicked and I was like oh and so um I kind of yeah I started sort of around 19 um Mm -hmm. and then just went full you know hell for leather like going okay I need to like play catch up now um and how did you play that catch up um I poured all my time into trying to learn so um, I was very conscious of the fact that I was at a film school in Perth um, mm-hmm. and I knew that um, to sort of survive as a filmmaker in the industry, I needed to be, um, you know, I guess technically competent on an international level. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Perth's a great place to make art, but um, it's, you, you, know, you can't just sell a movie to people in Perth. You know what yeah. I mean? You, it's not going to. It might pay your pay your meal for the night, but that's kind of about it. Yeah, I, I mean, there I, there have been some successful films coming out of Perth most recently, like uh, Ben Young's film is the one I think. Absolutely. Of, but, uh, 
but the before that, there's been plenty of of films that get made, which uh, and then they don't go anywhere. They don't. Further yeah. The career, and Ben's film's know. successful on an international level. I mean, that's the big thing. You know, yeah. he's got a career because yeah. that worked overseas. Um, yeah. And that that's kind of just the reality of the market. Unless you're making Red Dog, you know, on a family film. Yeah. Or, or a brand new day. Uh, yeah, totally. But but that that again was a different a different funding model. Um. So, uh, what? Can we, taking you back to uh, f- film school, uh, when you were studying, you're you're studying. You get to the end of film school. What did you do directly after that? Um. So, in my last year of film school, <clears throat> I um, created this trailer with some friends, um, and we won a competition with MTV. Um, nice. And with the prize money, we were able to buy like a 5D because 5Ds were just like the rage then. So they'd sort of come out and everyone was like using five, 5Ds. And I think we spent like $4,000 buying a 5D, um, which you'd never yeah, do these days. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, bought some lenses and a few lights. And we just went out and we just shot stuff like all the time. Um, short films that I will never release, scenes with actors music videos just just repeatedly tried to shoot over and over again. Um, so basically graduated film school and I just said, I've just got to keep filming and editing. And I tried to shoot something every week um, and probably, because I kind of had this idea of like, you know, if you want to be a director um, or a cinematographer or an editor, you need to actually be doing it, you know? And a lot of people, um, they graduate film school and they're like, I want to be a director, but they've only done three days of directing when they're at film school. And it's like you wouldn't even give someone their pee plates if they'd done three days of driving and then you're expecting people to give you millions of dollars to invest in you. You know what I mean? So I was mm-hmm. like, shit, I just need to get on my bike and train. And I just did that for like years, basically. Um, did you, yeah. when you were doing these little projects, would you set out like, I'm going to figure out how to do, you know, this genre or I'm going to figure out this sort of lens, would you set goals for yourself like that or would you just go and do whatever? Uh, I would try and make a product that I thought was good within the means of what I had. So I'm going to try and make a film that has, you know, some sort of tension or I'm going to try and do this. But I did a lot of music videos is where I experimented. Like I'm going to try mm-hmm. this lens or I'm going to try this other thing. Drama for me was always about practicing storytelling. I'm yeah. going to execute a story that works in 10 minutes is an emotional experience and you know yeah um practicing the actual craft of sort of narrative whereas all the music video stuff as well i was like what will happen let's put the camera underwater this time blah 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 blah. yeah so so were you attracted a lot of people when they they first start in the uh in the industry particularly in perth they they um they go around and they get themselves onto you know one of the productions that's happened it's always one or, or ads? Did you did you do any crew work? Yeah. Or <clears throat> I did a little bit. I was um, I did some running on some commercials. I did some running on a TV show, like in art department, and that was just like, you know, pretty eye. Which show? Uh, Mint Swindle. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, that was sort of the first big production to happen when I graduated. Um, and you know that was essentially glorified furniture removal like removalist um and that was really good to see the logistics of making a production and all the cogs and like what it actually looks like 
you know, on larger scale production, you know, because mm. I think sometimes when you're a young early career filmmaker, you're just like, yeah, we can just do this. Let's just, let's just do it. And it's like, yeah, when you, when you start stepping up the size of production, there's a whole bunch of moving parts that aren't necessarily in place at a sort of smaller production level, if that makes sense. I, I, I always think it's, it's the power of like the, the producer and the first AD and all the, the people in the production office, basically, that, that schedule people because yeah. it, so that the director can come on to set and it is, uh, it's ready to go. Totally. You know, the, 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 um, that, that's, that was my experience working on, on sets. Uh, Absolutely. On, you know, just that, that, that the logistics of it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's like, a, like, some, like an army, you know, yeah. um, and I think that's how you're able to make good content because the storyteller is able to focus on the story, which is the challenge when you're a, an emerging filmmaker because you're kind of producing as well all the stuff. Like, yeah, you're the director, but you're kind of the only person who's like up till three and painting stuff because you don't have any money and all that kind of stuff. And so you've got to really sort of be smart with what you're trying to make and how you plan to make it so you don't. Um, I, I sort of had the philosophy of execute a polished product and don't overreach and sort of mm. kind of fall short because there's nothing you can really do with that except learn, which is fine, but you can't, like, release that, if that makes sense. Yeah. What, what, uh, are, what do you think is the best thing you learnt from your years of doing that or the, the key takeaways? Um, well, I sort of realised the more I did it, the more I didn't actually know what I was doing what I thought I did. So it's kind of, I feel like you'd reach this point early in your career where you maybe make one kind of half good short film and then you sort of get lured into this false sense that you actually kind of know what filmmaking is. And then um, as you sort of get more experience and you go on more sets and watch other people with way more experience, all that's enabled you to do is kind of take the glasses away and actually be able to view the next level of what filmmaking is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so um, really repeatedly doing this, this stuff has just sort of enabled me to even sort of get an understanding of what actually filmmaking craft is. Um, hmm. I thought I even, I, I didn't even really understand what I was doing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you feel like you understand it now? I feel like I'm now a professional amateur. <laughs> like, like, I feel like I've, I feel like, you know, like I've spent so many years now, like writing scripts, like I've written so, lo- loads of pilot episodes and feature screenplays and, mm. you know, 30 or 40 short films. And I feel like now I kind of have a vague understanding of like how hard writing is to like actually get good at um, and respecting the craft. And um, sometimes you just, you know, you, you kind of like filmmaking will always beat you and humble you. And you try to beat it sometimes and then it comes back and slaps you in the face and it's a really good learning experience. And so, you know, I've sort of learned to respect the craft of filmmaking and good filmmaking a lot more and I really sort of seek out what I consider good filmmaking and try to learn from that. Mm. What are some good films you've seen recently? Um, probably the best film I saw recently at the movies is probably Wind River. Mm-hmm. And to me that was just good, that was just good execution of craft. It's, it's like simple concise directing extremely good writing good direct good directing like all the all the craft the writing the music the cinematography is just serving the story and it just it's just a really like good piece of harmony of filmmaking um and it's just i enjoy i enjoy sitting in the cinema and watching that stuff and being like damn 
this is so good. Um, so, okay, so, so you're, uh, I know, I, when you're in and you're watching something and you stop, for me, it's when I stop analyzing it. Uh, 100%. You know, okay, it, totally. you know it, it, then I know it's, it's a good film. And maybe I'll go back and watch it again uh, to, to work out how they did things. But um, so, so you, you uh, just to, to kind of go through your, your timeline of your life. Yeah, sure. This is your, uh, this is your life. Behind the next door is, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we had uh, you. You were you were doing a lot of um, a lot of short uh, short films, a lot of scenes, a lot of stuff. So so, what was the next step after that? Yeah, sure. So, um, how did I start paying my rent? Yes, um, not, yeah, not as a bar, not as a bar job, but as a filmmaker. <laughs> um, yes, exactly. I, okay, cool. So, um, essentially, what happened was when I was doing all this stuff, a lot of it I was also sometimes shooting and editing as well. Um, and um, I was actually, without realizing, because I was cu- cutting so much narrative stuff and trying to edit storytelling, I was actually sort of, in a w- way, training myself to be an editor and getting quite quick at it, um, as well as getting really good at, because I'd shot so much stuff, I was getting a good understanding of where to put the camera and how to light stuff to make it look good quickly. Um, and so, in a weird way, I was kind of training myself to become employable as a freelance filmmaker, if that makes sense. Um, and my totally out- makes sense. And my output of work, I slowly started releasing stuff that I thought, you know, was pretty, I was comfortable putting out there. Um, you know, maybe in hindsight, I wouldn't, wouldn't do it now, but they were kind of, you know, music videos. And eventually, I was working at a bar in Northridge. Um, it was the same one I was working in at film school. And I was just thinking, I need to get out of this place. Like, you know, I'm the bouncer and I'm the bar person. And it's just like, I'm not enjoying like this at all. Um, And I was like, I need to get good at filmmaking now. Like I need to step up above for like two years out of film school kind of skill set. So I started putting out work and I started setting goals. Like I'm going to release a good product. Wait, wait, can I ask you a a question? Where were you putting out the work? Uh, just online, social media, Vimeo, YouTube, sure. um, Facebook, and just get it, putting it out into places that I thought producers who were working full-time in Perth would see um, and just sharing it in a, like, kind of non-invasive way. Um, and I sort of, in a way, curated my social media presence for about two years where I'd only ever post something if it was a product that I had shot rather than talking about it. Sure. Um, so basically what happened was people kind of got subconsciously i guess their mentality shifted to when david posts something it's a film he's directed or it's a music video he's directed um which you know doesn't result in work initially but eventually like you go to an event and someone's like hey you're that dude who always like makes stuff and i kind of got like a little bit of a reputation as someone who like was actively working and the perception was that i was working all the time and a lot of it was just stuff i was just doing (laughs) with my own money from the bar um and that kind of like led to, you know, someone just being busy and asking, hey, do you think you could edit or shoot something? And I did it. And then I just poured all my time and resources into making it as best as I could. And they were happy with it. And then, you know, that was like great. And then I, I kept working at the bar. And then six months later, that person asked me if I could shoot something else. And then I did a good job of that. And then someone, one of their friends needed something. And then I worked for their friend. And then I went from basically getting a job offer every six months to every three months to every month to every week to every day. Um, yeah. And that's ki- it's kind of like that's a, that's a two to 
three-year process, basically. Um, it is no real way to shortcut that in a place like Perth. And then the more stuff you do, the more work comes to you, basically. Yeah, I found having having now lived uh, um, in Perth and also in Dallas, Houston, and now Hawaii, that there's no way to shortcut it in any any place, right? Like yeah. in in any market, you can you can go in with as much experience as you want, but it's the context that you you, you make that totally. uh, turn into absolutely, absolutely. Um, and and also obviously being able to being multiple multiple having like multiple strings on my bow. Like I was doing editing work. I was doing cinematography or like camera operating work and I was doing directing work. I was, if I had just been sitting around waiting for a director job, I probably would still be working at the bar unless I had made some incredible short film that won some big festival. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so I was having an interesting conversation at um, uh, the Cannes Lions event. I wasn't at Cannes Lions. I was uh, seeing a friend in the south of France. Um, and we were, I was drinking with a, an ad exec or, um, from Australia, and he, was, he actually had a, a counterpoint to that, which was, um, of course, advertising slightly different. Uh, yeah. um, but it, uh, I think in the, in the film industry, especially with young, uh, young emerging filmmakers, that there is a push to do everything. But in, from his perspective, he was pushing against that, saying he wants people to come to him and say, I'm a... I, I'm a, a creative writer. Sorry, uh, I'm a, uh, uh, I'm an art director. I'm a copywriter. I'm a, a you know, business man. You know, I'm, uh, I'm on the business side. It, um, do you think that having a, uh, having that, like, I know it, it helped. But was was there any? Do you think that having the the spread of of skills is a more effective strategy or do you think focusing uh is a is an effective strategy do you know what i if if you're 100 and i think um the answer to that question is about having end goals in mind um so i don't advertise myself as a cinematographer and i never would mm. but uh you know what i mean but um yep. i can go out and camera operate on a job to pay my rent for the month um, because people know I can do that. Um, and you know, I don't have my advertise myself as an editor, but again, like I get editing work cause people know I can do it. And so what's happened in terms of the reasons why I still occasionally do those jobs, um, is it's made my directing better. I mean, sitting in an edit suite and having your mistakes rubbed in your face and having to problem solve them is like one of the best things that you could do to become a director. Understanding, you know, intimately how lighting and lenses work because that's your paintbrush can only make conversations with your DOP better. Um, but there, I agree there should be a point where you say, well, I actually want to do this thing, um, you know, in terms of how you arrive at a festival or when you speak to a producer or an ad agency, you don't want to go, Hey, I'm just a filmmaker. I can do everything. You want to go, Hey, I'm a, I'm a film director. Um, and then they see you on set that you can communicate in the edit suite or with your cinematographer, et cetera. So I've actually pulled back on all that other stuff. So originally I was a filmmaker and I could do everything and I sort of advertised that. And now it's like, no, no, no. Like I'm a film director, I'm a screenwriter and I'm a director. Um, but I still kind of do that other stuff on the sly, if that makes sense. Well, you've got to yeah. rebuild. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Um, uh, how was that? How was that change? Like what? Okay. So when we, at what point were you ready to say, uh, um, hey, um, I'm, I'm going to now focus in on directing screenwriting. Um, I think I was probably about three years after film school, maybe four. So I always wanted to do that stuff, um, obviously, but I was quite conscious of the fact of how young I was and how inexperienced I was. And I can't just like knock on a production office door and be like, hey, here's my feature screenplay. Let's do this. Because it's just like, who the hell am I? And why the hell would they want to employ me? Right. So um, I was like, I need, I need like to seriously make myself a person, um, you know, like can actually pitch that they're a writer or a director. So I said, okay, I need to up my training and I need to um, get better. So I sort of did some research about where I could up my directing skill sets. I felt like I had a weakness in talking with actors. I was technically skilled um, at directing, but um, through lots of camera operating and editing, but I don't think I was respecting, you know, what could happen in terms of acting and directing acting. You know, there's people who go to acting school for three years and then, you rock up and you're like, that's great. Can you do that again a little bit faster? I mean, I don't think that's really tapping into anything. Um, so I found a directing school in America um, that Judith Weston taught because that was mm-hmm. the best books I had read on directing at the time. Um, you know, and her students were winning Oscars and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, I've just got to go and do this. And so I just saved my money um, and went over to America, for, you know, for the first time to see what you know, what does LA and New York look like? Um, and got into a room with her and, you know, that wasn't a really intense experience. You know, I had to act the entire time and she directed all the directors and that was quite an eye-opening experience. And when I came back to Perth after that, I sort of started placing more value on myself and I started charging more money, you know, mm. and I started to sort of respect what, like I started to put into perspective how many hours of filmmaking I actually had done which was quite quite a lot. Like I had about three to 500 videos on Vimeo private of content that I'd either directed, shot or edited, of whether it was practicing or actual client-based work. So I came back and I actually got more work, even though I was charging more, because kind of like my perception of myself had changed. Mm. So that was when the directing thing happened. The writing stuff I'd always been working on. And then obviously as I sort of, came up sort of into the last three years of wanting to really concentrate on getting my first feature up. I've spent more and more time writing and less and less time working because writing just takes forever, right? Mm. Um, And the more I've spent writing, the more I've realised, like, how hard writing is and, like, is the hardest of all the disciplines. Like, it is just so hard to get good at screenwriting. It is just such a complex, incredibly difficult, you know, self-disciplined task. And it's incredibly hard to get good feedback. There are only a few people who, you know, you're surrounded by friends and filmmakers you know, but, like, who's giving you that real, like, critical eye? And sometimes you can get lost. No, no, I I totally understand that, especially uh, with with friends as well. they, they, They mean well and they want to see you succeed and therefore don't necessarily... Uh, don't necessarily uh, give you the the right feedback. Absolutely. And the other thing, the other thing I've noticed is that a lot of times people don't understand uh, don't understand structure. You know, totally. uh, 
and and that's okay because you don't necessarily need to understand structure even if you if you work it as in lighting you don't need to know how a film is structured you no might have way. some concept of it but you you don't play no. or or character development or subtext all of those those extra things that make it a little that make writing so much so much fun and difficult um, yeah yeah I, so I want to go back. I just want to ask one clarifying question. So you went to this this directing uh, workshop, and they they made all the directors act. Yeah. So there was nine directors in the class, <clears throat> and the class began with um, <clears throat> essentially there was a desk in the center of the room, and everyone was super excited. You know, in comes Judith, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's you know, it's the woman whose pictures on the back of the book." Here we go. And then she said, "Cool, we can't start class till you've all." stood on the table and sang your life story. Wow. And of course, like, no, everyone just looks at each other. <laughs> you know, these are all, all the people who were the director's students um, were <clears throat> editors or cinematographers, basically from LA. There was a few really big TVC directors, a couple of one Khan, and they're all kind of industry professionals who were make, looking to make the transition, yeah. you know, into feature screenplay directing. And I was, there was David from TAFE. Um, <laughs> and yeah, everyone just looked at each other and they were just like, cause no one, no one, no one was actors yeah. and no one knew each other. And everyone was just like, fuck that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, everyone was petrified. And then we just had to sit there and we sat there for, I think probably for about 45 minutes, just looking at each other and, she, and everyone eventually was just like, well, we've paid all this money. I like flowing around the world, you know? Um, and we want to learn. So this woman just got up and she kicked it off. And then everyone literally just got up and sang their life story in front of each other. Um, and then from there, she's, she's like, that's the worst thing you're going to do, you know, in this whole class. Do, do, do you think it gave you a respect for what actors do? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I think that's what it was all about. You mm. know, I mean, the whole reason why she created the course was she was an actress. I mean, I think part of the reason, I don't know if it's the whole reason, she was an actress and she found a lot of actors were coming to her and, you know, they weren't, they weren't getting performance directions, you know, there was a lot of technical competent, technically competent directors, but not um, great performance based directors. And I think it's kind of easy if, you know, you're, you've got the money to employ really strong actors, you can sort of hide behind them and no one really knows what you're saying to them. If the film's good, you know, mm. um, and yeah. who's actually directing the actors, is it the actor or the director? Um, it, it, so I, I mean, I mean, it also goes the other way because I've seen, uh, I've seen like uh, ad directors who go into then uh, do their first feature, and then they they have that ad director mentality where you you you're directing an actors like down to move your totally. hand in this in this exact way, you absolutely. know, um, yeah, which is probably absolutely awful as an actor. Oh, I've seen uh, um, Hollywood A list actor. Uh, tell a director off for doing that, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, it, no, it's it's really interesting. So you'd never done any acting before before. This. I mean, I'd done I'd done like stuff mucking around in our things, you know, when you have to get someone to be in the background of a scene or like a, but never like you know a theater show. I, the, but the closest thing I'd ever done was just doing music on stage. Um, sure. So, yeah, that was just a huge learning curve. And I was like, right. And I just came back and that really made me get into the um, whole intimacy of working with actors in, um, you know, doing lots of improv workshops and 
just getting into like um but making sure I was writing content where I had enough time to really work with the actors and not just like going on set and be like put the camera here put the camera here shoot 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 like uh, you know and you're not even directing you're just doing like um coverage mm. sure you had um a lot of success with your short film we were here uh and I remember hearing you speak last year and um, you said that that had been a much more uh, rewarding experience, maybe not the term you use exactly, um, because it was a low budget uh, and like a story you'd written. Uh, th- that had been a more experience. Uh, uh, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say. Th- that had been a, a more rewarding experience than the funded short film sure. that you'd made do you want to talk sure. about that a little bit sure so um <clears throat> i'm fortunate that i've made quite a few short films um some which have, be, have received quite a bit of funding um the thing about that is obviously as you get older and more experienced you look back on your your past films and all you see are the flaws which i'm sure will happen for the rest of my career um but i kind of felt like just prior to making that film I, I sort of done, had done like a real good mental upgrade of like I'd pushed myself so hard in the short film making that I was kind of compromising too much of the product in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like I was trying to do all this stuff. And then I was like, you know, I just don't know if this work that I've got actually reflects me as a filmmaker and what I'm capable of doing. So I just really looked at the resources I had. Who are the best actors that I'm friends with? You know, I've, you know, my DP is one of my best friends and, you know, I was living with him. So that was easy. And I just wrote a really small film mm. that I felt comfortable would articulate my voice as a filmmaker and my style. And, um, you know, just like thought, how do I actually make a piece that shows David, the filmmaker? Yeah. Um, and took the time to do that and made it easy for myself, you know. Mm. And lo and behold, like that low budget film really kind of buried films that had 10 times, 20 times the budget um, because it was more honest. Yeah. Do you yeah, think... I think... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, how... Obviously, you have a very clear sense of what your style is. How long did it take you to come to that? Um, I think reasonably early on, I, a style started emerging. It just took me longer to understand what that was when I, I had to learn more about filmmaking mm. to actually be able to read the grammar of that, I guess. Yeah. So, um, you know, I started sort of experimenting with um, out using basically a tripod in an, like one of my first films. And then um, I sort of, I don't think I've used a tripod in my last three or four short films or a dolly or anything. And I've just sort of shoot handheld and that really started to stem off the back of a lot of that directing training where I became really obsessed with performance. Um, and I started to just sort of have a lot more collaborative process with the actors. And, um, I was like, if we spend a lot of time, we get the lighting right. And when we give the actors the freedom to sort of, you know, you know, workshop a really good performance in this space. It's just as long as it's filmed, it's going to kind of be good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I didn't ever start out going, right, I'm going to be this filmmaker who does like all this crazy handheld performance-driven stuff. 
it's sort of just naturally evolved that way. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean I won't like next film not, not use a tripod, but <laughs> if you watch if you watch my sort of last I don't know seven short films, you can see this degree of like voice coming through, yeah. and the way I frame scenes and the way that um, I use I tend to not use dialogue. Um, I think my last short film had about four lines of dialogue. Um, it's 10 minutes long and um, that I'm, I'm really into using sort of visuals and things that people are doing and just sort of almost like documentary style following them. But yeah. I would never have known that if I hadn't have made literally the amount of content that I had. And yeah. um, I think five years ago I would have like, you know, I remember I wrote my first feature screenplay a number of like, a few years out of film school and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's make it. Oh, it'll be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, I would have just been learning even what kind of filmmaker I was probably as that film was happening. And I probably would have rapped and I would have been like, shit, okay, so now I know the way I make movies. Let's make it again. <laughs> uh, look, I've, I've had, a, I've had a, uh, one friend of mine who has made two uh, independent I- films um, and uh, spent a lot of his own money uh, stupid. And I, I have told it that uh, to his face. Uh, but he, uh, um, every time he finishes the film, he goes, okay, now I know what I should have done. Yeah. You know, I don't think that changes, you know. Like, uh, it, you, you're, it's always a learning process. If, it, if you're not learning, what's, I guess, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. And I think the thing is, like, once you sort of, I'm kind of excited, like, to, like, make more stuff and look at more stuff because I feel like the more filmmaking I'm exposed to, and the more conversations I have, kind of the more ability I have to learn now. Because it's kind of like I wasn't even able to actually understand some of the lessons that were happening. You know, like there was, I was going on sets and there was things happening. And I didn't have enough even knowledge or experience to realize there's actually education. Does that make sense happening before yeah. me? And I feel like now I'm actually at a level where I can begin my education as a filmmaker. Um, and it took a long time to get to get there. Yeah, you just um, spent a couple of months in Europe with yeah. um, Ben Young on his next film. What what was that experience like? Um, I have to be careful about what I say. say. Yes, um, sure. obviously. <laughs> um, so it was. I had pretty high expectations of what it was going to be like, obviously, mm. and then going. It surpassed it, like, dramatically. That's um, great. What was really good about it was just watching, like, the best people at their craft work. You know, like, when you watch a production designer, you know, who's worked for Paul Greengrass, worked on the Harry Potter films, done all this sort of stuff, you know, go into go into an area and, like, what they see with their eyes when they look at a kitchen is something I can't even begin to, like, see. You know what I mean? And so when you're watching that, and how they work, you just like feel like you're in a video game. You're just like leveling up dramatically, um, and so it was like that for every department. Um, and it was an experience I probably could never have had unless I'd worked on, you know, like Aquaman or Pirates over east, it was, um, in Australia. And it was also just really good to watch, like, like a friend who you know had been kind of doing what I've been doing, was just toiling away, making stuff a lot longer than I had get on a Hollywood set and actually watch what that's like to deal with that for the first time. Um, and he did an incredible job really because he was just doing what he'd done, he'd be doing for the last 15 or 17 
you know, years. And that was like storytelling. Um, and it was that level of, because he'd been doing it so many, for so long, you know, he was able to execute and articulate vision really, really competently. Uh, yeah, I, I, having worked with Ben a couple of times and uh, um, knowing him for quite a while, he, he has, over the years I've, I've seen, worked out how to do... Uh, he worked out that professional onset demeanor. Totally. I mean? And and ha- I think uh, particularly in the, the higher end production, that's that's half the game. You know that you uh, especially when when there's more money, there there it always seems to me that there's more um, more to answer for. You know. Yeah. And so so. Well, that's actually a really good point because probably one of the best things that Ben was able to do was um because he put in the work, like he really worked hard. Um, on this project, like, you know, night and day, night and day. Um, when, you know, on any film, people are going to ask you, why is this happening? Or a producer or an actor or, you know, whoever it is. And he was able, always able to really articulate yeah. it, um, based on story why this thing needed to be this way. And I think that's why the film went so well. And you can almost got the sense, you know, watching that going, you know, you get the feeling that sometimes probably films fall down or slow down or the director's vision gets compromised because they simply can't articulate what it, it is because they haven't done the work. Yeah, it's, it's preparation. So totally. I, I, I would, t- on some of the sets I've been in, it, you totally see it when, it's, when a director's unprepared and then it, it slows down and, uh, like you said, slows, slowing down is is key because time is money. Uh, yeah. And, and time is and, the opportunity to be creative. Yeah. It, and if you, if you're having to stop and think about everything in the, because you haven't done that thinking in the time when it's free, you know, then, then you won't get everything you needed to cover a scene or you won't get, you have to make a compromise. The proof is in. Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, really, the biggest thing I learned was filmmaking is filmmaking. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it doesn't really matter if it's a you know ten dollar film or it's a you know twenty million, a hundred million dollar film. It's kind of all the same thing. You've got to get the story right, and then you've got to get the right people to help you execute it. And it's just a hell of a lot of work, and um, it doesn't really change. Um. You know what I mean? Like, there, I wasn't, there, I wasn't on, uh, on the set going, wow, like, filmmaking is completely different. Like, everyone's saying th- these things. You know, the first AD is working like a first AD. He's just got, you know, a hundred and something films features his first AD to draw back on. So his experience is helping the production move at a more elite level. Yeah. If that makes sense. And it's more, there's more supporting people. Totally. It's just m- more, you know. Um, I, yeah. I, so, so what are you doing now after coming um, back from that? Uh, so I came back from that and I was like, okay, now I know what the standard, or now I know what, like, you, you know, like that's the kind of gold standard of filmmaking. Um, there's only one way you're ever going to even get a look in, in that of that is that you just need to up your game again. You just need to continue to try and be the best filmmaker you can. So I just came back and I just really looked at my diary and my schedule 
And I've sort of done this over the last two years as I've just pulled away from as much work as possible and just kept enough so that I exist and don't like kind of lose the networks I've had. Um, but giving myself enough time to write. Um, because, you know, if you want to be a writer and director, I think one of the big things is you've got to be really honest with yourself about how much writing you're actually doing. And if it's not like a hell of a lot every week, you're probably not a writer director. Because, um, you know, that's, you want to be a writer director, you've got to be really good at screenwriting. Why not get someone who's like so good at screenwriting to write your script for you? So I wanted to be a writer director. So I came back from that experience and I was like, man, I've got to get double hustling double hard on my screenplays. So that's kind of what all I've been doing is just developing, you know, existing feature screenplays and trying to just make them significantly better, sending them to the best script editors I know and just getting bashed up, you know, and, and enjoying it, you know, like trying to really just punch the holes through my flaws and um, get better so that I'm not going to embarrass myself if I was to ever have the opportunity to be in a position like Ben. So the goal is to make a feature in the near future? The goal is always to make a feature, I think. Um, I, um, yeah, I mean, when that happens, I don't know. I'm, I'm working really, really hard and I have quite a good team around one of the films at the moment and um, it's just all writing dependent, basically. Like, I know the script's not ready yet. I know there's things that need to happen and there'll be a point when I think it's good enough to sort of start trying to pull the trigger with, with the producers and stuff. But, um, and then would I you, kinda, would I'm you take it, like, would you take that and then go through like the, the state funding bodies or would you try yeah, to get I think, private investment? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So sort of probably a combination of both. So I'd probably go to state agencies cause I've built a good relationship with them. Um, and I'm just aiming to make a small, well, it's pretty ambitious. I wouldn't say it's small, but, you know, achievable film um, that doesn't require, you know, tens of millions of dollars. And that's, it's all about executing an emotional journey and a story that people can watch and go, okay, cool. You know, mm. this person can tell a story. It works. It affected me. And I'm just trying to make that the best I can. So, yeah, I want, I want to shoot it in Perth. Um, I've got a crew. I've, I know that the system here, it, it's kind of safer in a way to do that before running away and trying to do it elsewhere. Do you think um, living overseas is in your future? Like, is that kind of Hollywood the goal? Um, is it Hollywood yeah, or bust? Not, not really, hey, yeah. to be honest. Like, I, I don't, I think, I just don't really come from a world where, like, I have no desire to, like, you know, make Jurassic Park or any of the films like that. And, hmm. Not, not that I have anything against those films, but like the, what I enjoy about filmmaking is like trying to crack a good story and like jamming on story with other writers and also being on set and working with actors. And so I would love to, you know, do something with a big scale for the experience, but it's not really something that, that drives me yeah. as, a, as a sort of a person. The more like an indie route? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Uh, um, I mean, I just kind of like, I don't really think of things as like indie or non-indie, I just mm. sort of good or bad. Um, this is, is well, there's a hell of a lot of bad. Yes. Just oh. bad, in, bad commercial films. And I think um, sometimes the concept of you're like better or elite kind of, you're not, you know, maybe you're, you're an independent filmmaker, 
bad. You can't <laughs> break into Hollywood. Um, so no, yeah, I, I would I would move overseas potentially for a little bit, but um, you know, at the moment I've got a space where I can write stories here, so it's not really necessary at the moment. But you know, if I start trying to work on bigger budgets, maybe you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge. I'm not trying to. I'm trying not to get ahead. So good way to be. Yeah, it is a good way to be. Uh, what if uh, if you look back as we've talked back through your career up till now? What is there anything you wish you'd done differently? Um, good question. I don't know. I mean, yes and no. Like, there's stuff like I look at work that I thought was good that I that I tried to make stuff happen. Look at it now, but that's horrendous. But at, but it's like that's in hindsight. You know, it was the best thing I could do at that time, and I didn't know that. So, you know, um. You know, I think everyone wishes they worked harder at certain times. There's certainly, I wish I probably had written more um, than I had now because I feel like I'm playing catch up a little bit. But at the same time, I'm still quite young. So it's not like I'm at the end of it yet. It's barely even begun. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like probably the best stuff that I learned was just trying to do, do it and actually just having a lot of life experience and meeting people outside the film industry. Like learning, like, like I'm, I'm really lucky that I have a large group of friends and it's sort of a world that exists outside of me because that sort of keeps me actually on the pulse of what reality is. I think sometimes um, I, the biggest mistakes I made was sort of sitting too much inside a film bubble um, and then kind of going, oh, shit, this is, like, so irrelevant to anyone and everything. It's like, like I'm impressing this other person. That's not going to do anything, if that makes sense. No, no, it totally makes sense. I, I, I had one of uh, uh, one of the early people, uh, old boys I worked for, um, sadly passed away now. Uh, he, he said the, the classic line to me, uh, don't, don't get too worked up. It, it, we're not saving lives here. You know, oh, it, totally. uh, um, but also, also, I, I think that in in Perth, because the industry is is quite small, uh, that you can get into a film bubble and and know almost know everyone who's working, and yeah, yeah, and it you know you need that kind of outside influence. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I try and make sure that I have a social life. I, I used to just when I was younger, I was like, like seven days a week, all day, all night, pulling all nighters, like trying to crazy stuff and I've realized actually by going by sort of sticking to one if possible when writing routine I mean yeah. it's probably more like a 5 p.m. to a.m. schedule <laughs> than a 9 to 5 or like a 9 to 9 30 a.m. give up you know do other stuff all day and then try again at night time yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, do you, wait, uh, can I ask a question about your writing? Do you give yeah. yourself like a, a writing target, you know, this many words per day or, or, yeah. or do you, uh, is it, how do you, how do you keep yourself on, on track? That, that's a super good question. So I used to be like, oh, I haven't written 10 pages today or I haven't written four pages or I haven't finished even this scene. And I get like, you know, you get held down or whatever. And um, I sort of realized that, it's taken me a long time to realize that's a really bad way to approach writing. So rather than going by 
this date, this screenplay we finished, I really, 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 really set tiny goals. And so my goals start with rocking up to my desk twice a day and I have to do basically, that's, that's the first goal. I just have to sit down and try and write twice a day. Um, and it can be 20 minutes for the whole day. It can be five minutes. It could be 10 hours. And what happens is, um, you know, say I'm writing a movie and I'm trying to write a scene. I might sit down and start thinking about it and I do nothing. And then I do work for the day or, you know, house cleaning or whatever it is. And that by rocking up, I'm thinking about it. And then I sit back down and I might write one sentence or I might write the whole scene. And then I come back the next day and I reread it and I rewrite it. And eventually, say by the fourth day or the seventh day, I'll have a scene that I, th- I really like. And then it just accumulates. And then every three or four, maybe every fortnight, you get a run on on a day or two. And you just go, you know, you just bang out 10 or 20 pages because it's happening. Um, so that's, that's sort of the process. And I've found that's been the best process out of all the different things I've tried. I've tried, you know, there's been days where I've just tried to smash out screenplays. And, I, yeah, it's just, just rocking up and having it go and setting some really tiny targets, I think, results in actually more work and better work. Where does your inspiration for stories come from? Very good question. Um, yeah, I think a couple of points to make about that. Um, I've realised, again, like with the whole developing my voice and style, by looking at all my short films, I'm sort of almost in a weird way making the same kind of story thematically or the similar stories over and over again mm. uh, because I'm sort of drawing upon my own life and my own family and um, I was having a discussion with a filmmaker the other day and I said there's just so many like of the same um there's so many of the same kind of competent person who's five to ten years out of film school you know who knows that stuff and can make a movie and it's like what sets you apart is really your own voice and your own story and your own authenticity like that's kind of the thing that's marketable now once everyone can kind of competently do the job so i really really um embrace what is different and unique about my life or what I've learned from my own personal experiences. So a lot of it comes from, you know, I grew up in a house with 12 foster brothers and sisters. Um, I've seen and been around, you know, a lot of crazy shit. Um, And um, so when you watch my films, they're very much about people trying to find their place in the world or people, you know, who have quite sort of experienced trauma and are looking for, the good in the world coming from a dark place and people trying to like search for dreams and, you know, looking really like actually looking in at people who we may not be familiar with and understanding that they're human beings as well. Mm. Um, that's kind of where my stories come from. They're all really family stories at the heart. They just got different skins. One might have a sci-fi skin, one might have something else, but they're all sort of me just trying to make sense. Mm. of the world and <laughs> trying to try it's almost like every film for me is like an argument about like, it starts off with like the world sucks and i'm trying to convince myself that the world there is good in the world and it's there it's a it's a good place and that's kind of like each film is a variation of that of just me like trying to like argue and convince myself that there is actually good in the world so yeah, so, so so your uh, basically your advice is that uh film is therapy <laughs> and have uh, yeah 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just it's a way to explore stuff. Yeah. You know, like you know, like you learn, you learn stuff about who you are. Honestly, you make better work. Like I remember, really, I remember I was writing this one feature, and it was okay, and it just had like a standard structure that worked. Sort of hit the beats, whatever. And it was short and vanilla movie. Um, and then there was this one scene where I just like had this conversation, like revelation backstory, and I just wrote dialogue. Um, and I remember like when one of the read oh, shit, like you know, I could tell that it was the best thing. And like, um, where did this thing come from? You know, and it was affecting because it was real and it was true, and um, it was based on you know, it wasn't just bullshit. And I, when that when that happened, I kind of like, okay, like that's actually at the heart of good writing is you know you're sharing. You're sharing something other people respond to that. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that we we all uh, want we all want either one or two things. We want to to have something that it, that takes us away from reality, or we yeah. want or but or we want something that reflects reality. Something yeah. something that that seems real and uh, without getting too philosophical. Um, so so it's a, it is an interesting it's interesting. Um, uh, what, let me let me because we're coming kind of to the close of our time I here. I haven't been waffling too much. No no no. Oh, no it's been very interesting. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it, it's okay. We we allow waffling here. Um, <laughs> uh, is there? You know what. What advice would you give to someone who's starting out? Someone who is you from, uh, you know, five like just at film school? Yeah, just at, or just finishing film school. Okay, um, I would say this is the advice I give because I teach. Basically, feel I give to the people, and it's like you've made your grad film. Um, what you need to be thinking about is how I'm going to make my next job. You know, like, mm. I think a lot of people graduate and they don't have a plan of attack and then they spend their summer, you know, I don't know, whether they go to Bali or whatever, I don't know, whatever they do, they work at a summer job and all of a sudden it's like March and you've been graduated for six months and you haven't touched the camera um, or you haven't opened final draft. And I think it's just really important to find your core people, find your people that you can work with so that when you are depressed or you're not interested in filmmaking, you can just hang out with them and read their scripts even. Um, and just think about what is the next thing that you can be working on and be realistic. Like if you've got no money, you don't have a job, or you can be writing something or you can be helping someone else out on their set. But I think just being, finding a way to be active in filmmaking is really, really important. Otherwise, very, very, very quickly, you will no longer be in the film industry and like studying a different degree. Um, that's sort of my observations from like having taught at film schools, at three different film schools for the last three years. I can almost pick people who will be working, and I can pick people who won't. And it's the people who are like already actively seeking their next film experience. And it doesn't even have to be a good one. It's just literally, you know, we're going to try and shoot a film at a car park. Okay. The, I mean, the, that's. Uh, what's... What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Um, 
her out. Doesn't even have to be about filmmaking. I remember what my script editor said to me ages ago. This is like five, six years ago. So we're stuck out with it. Like, you know, I, I'm going to completely get the quote wrong. And it's probably in paraphrasing someone's quote. But it was essentially something like, everyone is amazed by the whiz kid, but nobody cares about the whiz man. Uh, it was something like that. And he was kind of talking about like the fact that like, you've just got to like, when you've got the time and the opportunity to work, hard do it you know what i mean like i'm really fortunate that i live in a place like perth and um you know it's not that difficult to like like literally if if i wanted to make a short film this is what i say to other students i'm like you don't need a grant to make a short film you need a job at mcdonald's and in three months you've already won the grant and you've got no one to answer for you know if you'd like save your money and um it's about got recognizing how fortunate you are to be in a place like Perth to be able to just shoot and generate content and practice your craft and actually like just do it and don't wait for excuses and like get busy doing it. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think that's I think that's a a good point to end on. Just do it. Uh, just do it. Uh, but do it. I guess do it smart. Like you know, if you're gonna just like keep shooting like scenes with your friends on the weekends um for 10 years and you probably can't expect to be angry if hollywood hasn't knocked on your door then this you know there needs to be a point where you get real and you go okay cool i've done this how can i up the challenge you know what i mean like how can i you know i don't i don't i think when you when you're just doing it you've also got to be just doing it slightly so, smart so well. so it's just do it but have a goal <laughs> yeah correct just do it with the goal uh, um, okay, where can where can people uh, where can people find you on online? Um, so my website is dvsfilm.com um, and you can email me there. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty open to just talking about filmmaking with anyone. Like, I'm all about jamming on story. Um, like this morning, all I was doing before I was speaking to you guys, I was having like a two hour conversation about writing. Um, with a with another, actually Maz who just won West Coast Visions. Amazing. And we were yeah. and we were just like frothing and just talking about writing and craft and like what's the best book in you've ever read um by about acting that like has informed your writing process and all this kind of stuff and it's like when you speak to people like that it's kind of like oh it's no wonder Maz got West Coast yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. like all he does is just like obsess over that kind of stuff and so um yeah. I forgot the point I was making, but I'm <laughs> I suppose Do you have any book recommendations for anyone listening to the podcast? Um, 21st Century Screenplay mm-hmm. um, is probably one of the best screenplay books I've read. Um, just Even just read the first 100 pages um, and then read it again a year later when you add on a better and then read it again a year later and then like continually reread the books you think are good because they evolve as you actually learn what the hell these people are talking about. Um, and then it's really important to read lots of books because I think um, you'll read a book and it'll be like, oh, this is great. And then it's actually not relevant for you. Oh, it's the wrong information. Yeah. And it's telling you to write in the wrong manner. Um, you know, there's a lot, of, a, a lot of books I don't do agree with or I don't like because it's the way I work. That's why it's important to do it as well to work out what's good. The other book that I was reading, I'll quickly recommend which is totally awesome, 
is um, by a woman called Susan Batson, which an actor gave to me. I think she's Nicole Kidman's acting coach, maybe. But it's called Truth. Mm. Um, and it's just, like, so kick-ass, that book. I, I read it all the time, like, reread it over and over again, and it helps with writing a lot. Nice. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thanks for, for coming in and talking with us about uh, about your your uh, your career and inspirations. No worries. Um, if you do it and you stick around long enough, it will just happen. Is basically <laughs> <laughs> the summary of my advice. Like people will just drop away, and if you just keep chipping away and trying to improve, and you keep doing it, things just happen. Uh, Okay. That was very interesting. So, Hannah, has it inspired you to go out and do some stuff? Yeah, I feel like I really need to learn how to use a camera more than I can. Like, I can operate a camera. Yeah. Um, also, you know what I really want to do? <laughs> Get a new iPhone. Because that's a better camera than the camera I've got. So. Wait, wait that's debatable. The camera you've got is great. Uh, is it, but I don't uh, know YouTube. how to use it. This is my yeah. issue. This is what I need to learn. Thank you, Dave Vincent Smith, for inspiring me to learn how to use a camera. Or, or alternately, find someone who knows how to use a camera and do projects with them. I know those people, but they're always working. Uh, yeah. I mean, yes, you need to find someone who is unemployed <laughs> <laughs> who knows how to use a camera. Well, when are you coming back to Australia, Ben? Well, when are you coming to Hawaii, Hannah? Possibly uh, in a couple of weeks. So, it, it was a really so, interesting talk. Yeah, very inspiring. Lots of really... Lots of good stuff for people who are kind of out there and not really sure what to do. And I do think his point about, like, you just have to do it. If you want to be doing it, you have to do it. You have to find a way. Is a really important thing um, to think about, you know. there Where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. So, Hannah, uh, where can people find you on the online? Uh, you can find me on social media, uh, at Poppy Pasco, if you want. Let's be friends on the internet. And, and uh, people can find me for work uh, at benpasco.net, or they can follow me on Instagram uh, uh, at the Society of Ben's or on Twitter at the Society of Ben's. Um, Bye.